Let's continue in our walk through Hebrews. We're going to be learning about Abraham. And Abraham gets a lot of coverage in, the, in Hebrews 11, so I'm just going to read the first few verses. We'll just start off with Abraham. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read all of Hebrews from the beginning because I want you to hear and feel the impact of, of this list of faith heroes and God's faithfulness heroes as we get to Abraham, all right? Calvary Chapel, this is the Word of God. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel, offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And here are our verses for this morning. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Sorry, he obeyed when he was called. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went and lived In the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, as we were reminded earlier, it is a cutting sword that cuts through our thoughts cuts through our defenses, cuts through our pretenses, cuts through our assumptions, cuts through our unbelief, and exposes our hearts and who we are before your sight. Father, I thank you that your word is also a healing balm that comes to hard hearts and broken limbs and burnt skin and deep scars and brings healing and peace and hope. And I pray, Father, that by your powerful grace and because of your great love for Calvary Chapel, which you have sustained over all of these years, and for the sake of the glory of your Son, incarnated, crucified, raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven, Lord, you would help me to be a true servant of your word, and you would help us together to be true servants and believers of your word, and to be filled with faith, and to long to imitate our father Abraham in his faith in you, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Today I want to say that faith goes on journeys with God. 
Faith goes on journeys with God. Simple pimple. Faith goes on journeys with God. Easy to acknowledge, hard to walk out. This is the thing that is highlighted in this section of Abraham's faith walk with God. He was called to go somewhere he'd never been before, and he obeyed. I think many of you, all of us have kind of been on journeys of some kind, okay? I was just trying to think of some journeys that I'd been on. I, I wanted to think of at least a good one. It seems like I never run out of examples of things that I did wrong or went horrible for me. It's harder sometimes to remember the times things went okay. Um, you know, God rules over pastors' lives so that they can have lots of object lessons and illustrations, and the bad stories are always more memorable than the good ones. Anyhow, um, one journey that I crafted was for one of my wife's birthdays, and uh, she likes surprises, and so I it's kind of planned out the day that we were going to go to Winnipeg and go to all these different locations and have a challenge at each one. So we went mini-golfing first, and I thought I would at least be a good competition for her. But when we finished off the mini-golfing and she actually got the hole-in-one, not only clinching the best score overall, but obliterating me in any way of having any kind of pride... Um, she really enjoyed that, and I didn't. And we went to different places. You know, we went out for lunch. We went to a used bookstore, and the, the goal there was to try and find the used book that best kind of represented the other person or something like that. You know, find a book that just the other person would be like, yes, that's me. And so we had a really great day. It was a, and it, But the whole idea was it was a journey for my wife. Like, I, I mapped out all these surprise places to go with something fun to do each place. A different journey I had been on in my life um, earlier than that, much earlier than that, that uh, is the more memorable story, was the time that my family, we were in Hawaii, we're in Maui, and we wanted to go on a fish scuba diving, fish seeing journey, okay? So it was like a day trip. And uh, my family, of course, had no idea how seasick I would get. And so the only fish I saw were the ones that came to to uh, come and eat what I had had for breakfast at the side of the boat. And, uh, and something about 12-foot waves. I'm not sure. I remember that. Um, but that was not a great journey. But we made it home, which was great, unlike Gilligan. That's for some of the older folks, all right? For the younger folks, you have Google, so you can understand my sense of humor. Uh, Abraham was called to go on a journey. And one of the amazing things about Abraham's faith to obey God in going on this journey is that when God called him, he gave him a promise, but almost no directions. Okay, so this is the call of God for Abraham from Genesis chapter 12. He says this, And now the Lord said to Abram, who was Abram at the time, became Abraham later, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And if you think about that call of Abraham to go, it's heavy on promise, yes, but it's also heavy on loss and almost no direction. Okay, there's this promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. But when he calls him to leave, pretty much he's emphasizing the lostness of it. Okay, go from your homeland. Ouch. Go from your people. 
Go from your father's house. Leave everything behind. That's the emphasis of the call. Leave and lose and, and be gone and, and feel it. And then the Lord demonstrates that he would be the worst GPS designer of all time. He just says, I will let you know when you get there. I just, I just think about it. Imagine you bought one of these Garmin things, okay? Or Tom Toms or whatever they're selling at Canadian Tire these days. And you've got it hooked up in your car, one of your GPS units, and you're driving along and your GPS just says, turn right in 200 meters. You're like, I don't even remember turning this thing on. And it says, turn right 200 meters. And you've got one of these talkback Siri jobs and you're just like, where are you leading me? And your Garmin just says, I'll let you know when we get there. But it's going to be at least 500 kilometers. You'd just be like, well, you crazy. I'm going to McDonald's as planned. You know what I mean? Like, you would just, how do you even, blah, blah, blah. Like, just think nowadays with all of the maps and the smartphone, um, just type in. Like, in th- 35 seconds, I could find out exactly how many kilometers it would take for me to drive to, um, you know, Florida. And it would have every road that I would need to turn right on. This is where we're at on the amount of details we can have for journeys. Just compare that for God coming to Abraham and just saying, load up everything, leave everyone, and I'll let you know when you get there. That's almost absurd. That's like crazy. That is crazy. I'll let you know when you get there. By the way, you're going to be traveling through desert, and there's going to be armed marauders in the territory we're going to send you through. It's going to take you months to get there. He doesn't even mention any of that stuff. You know, it could have been possible that Abraham would have loaded all of his stuff and then traveled for one day, and then the Lord said, okay, we're here. And Abraham just said, what was that all about? That's crazy. But he didn't. He wanted him to go from, um, I think it's Ur, all the way over to Canaan, which is present-day Israel. So hundreds of miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles on camelback or donkeyback or whatever it was. Just think about that. And the Bible holds that up for us as the prototypical journey with God. When God calls you, there is going to be loss And there is worlds of promise. And it's very, very sparse on details about what's going to happen. That's God's call. What do you want to know when God calls you to something? We usually want to know a lot. How long is this going to take? How much is this going to cost? That's the other big question, right? Like, I feel like God's calling me some, how much money is this this going to cost me? Am I still going to have Saturdays open? I'm not going to have to speak in front of people, am I? Will they have farmer sausage where we're going? One of the joys of our early marriage was when people showed up from Steinbeck with farmer sausage for my wife, who was living in Egypt over in BC, waiting for the return to the promised land. <laughs> Didn't take 400 years, which was good. But God has called us onto a journey where we don't know where we're going. Each and every one of us. The details are different for our lives, but 
our faith walk with God is going to be characterized by not knowing what is going to happen tomorrow. And that's what he's emphasizing about Abraham. Abraham was called to leave his homeland not knowing where he was going. That's the big thing that made him a faith-filled, obedient um, hero of the faith. He obeyed when he had no clue. All he had was the word of God, the promise that I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless the whole world to you. That's all he had. This, you're going to lose, you don't know where you're going, but I am going to be with you and I'm going to bless you. That is your life, Christian. There's going to be loss. You don't know where God's leading you, but he is going to bless you. And he is going to be with you. That is your journey with God. Now, I want to take a second, just talk about journey language a little bit. I I disliked talking about walking with God as a journey for a long, long time. I I felt like people abused the journey metaphor a little bit, you know, And and it was especially when people would say, and please just go with me, go, go easy on me. I've got issues. So if you talk like this, then this isn't a personal attack, but I I would get a little when people would say something like, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, right? When when it's God, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey because I would think to myself, yeah, it's about the destination. Of course it's about the destination. Of course, of course. Don't you want to go to heaven? Like, of course there's destination is important. Uh, but then I'll be falling over on the other side and kind of neglecting the journey. So let me just say, when it comes to journeying with God, the journey is important and the destination is important because um, God wants to actually accomplish things through us on our journeys with him. Okay, He actually wants to bring the kingdom of God down through our prayers, through our life, through our families, through our church. He wants to actually accomplish things and be able to say, I have done good works to you. And that's the destination. We're seeking God for different things. We're on journey with him for different things. And he cares about the destination. Okay, When he sent Jesus into the world, at Christmas time, he didn't just say, enjoy your journey. He said, you have a cross in front of you and you need to get there. You need to uh, overcome the devil's temptations. You need to gather some disciples to you. You need to preach and do miracles and make a name for yourself so that when you are crucified, everybody knows something has happened. And when you come back from the dead, everybody will know that this was Jesus of Nazareth raised from the dead. There was a destination for his mission. And you have a destination too. You have a destination to end up before the throne of God, face to face with Jesus, to receive your praise and your reward and your crown for a life of faith-filled journeying with Christ. Amen? That's your destination. The final judgment and all of eternity, enjoying the presence of God and enjoying your reward for journeying with Jesus. That's your destination. So let's hold on to that. This is our destination. And, not but, and the journey is so important because along the way, your mission in life is to become like Jesus. And the journey is you becoming like Jesus while you accomplish the destinations that God has called you to. Amen. So even going back to Abraham, God didn't just say, Abraham, start walking. And Abraham walked until he died at the ripe old age of 130. He actually did end up in the promised land. 
He actually did dwell there. He actually did have the child of promise who would be the great, great, great ancestor of the true child of promise, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the miracle child who accomplished the blessings of God coming to all nations. Amen? Let's talk about the journey. We will go through many kinds of journeys as we are in this big life journey with God. And when we're on journeys, it seems to me, this is my take on things, the things that make journeys tough are three things I want to highlight. Number one, the time. Journeys are tough because they take a lot of time. All right? When you hit up McDonald's after church, you don't say, I journeyed to McDonald's because it took three minutes. It took as long to drive there as it will take for them to defrost your meal and put it in plastic wraps for you to eat. Did I just ruin lunch? I hope not. The problem with journeys is that they take time. The other problem with journeys is that they're full of trouble. Okay? And the third problem with journeys is that they have a cost. The things that make journeys journeys is that it takes time, there's often trouble, and they have a cost. That's the issue with journeys. And so I want to run through seven types of journeys that I've thought of or seen in my own life and just talk about these three things, the time, the troubles, and the cost with different emphases. And maybe you'll see your life in one of these pictures. Maybe you'll see yourself on one of these journeys. Healing journeys. You get sick or injured. As soon as you're sick or injured, you're on a healing journey. You want to get better. That's your destination. And the question is, how long is this going to take? How much pain am I going to be in before I'm better? That's the trouble. And trouble part two is, how many setbacks am I going to have along the way? And the cost. Will I get back to normal? Because usually a healing journey has a cost. You have scars. Okay? Have you been on a healing journey? Are you in a healing journey? You have a destination, and along the way you're called, like Abraham, to believe in the Lord and to walk with him and enjoy his presence and to see what he does. Some of us go through grieving journeys where you have a loss. could be the death of a person could be the death of a dream. When these things happen, you're on a grieving journey. How long is it going to take before I get over this? How many sleepless nights, tear-filled days, or meltdowns am I going to go through? These are the troubles of a grieving journey where you're, praise God, you're hanging out with friends and all of a sudden you're furious for, for seemingly no reason. And it's because you're hurting about something. Those, those are troubled times when you're reacting in ways that surprise you. And you, you can get offended at people during a grieving journey because you're hurting and it seems like they're the problem all of a sudden. These are the troubles of a healing journey. And the cost. The question is, will I ever be the same? And you know what? The truth is you won't. If you go through a grieving journey, you won't be the same. But you can know God, 
and you can know his faithfulness on your journey and you can see his promises fulfilled in your life. Uh, Sometimes we go through an adoption journey. I think that's a hot topic for Calvary Chapel, adoption and fostering and choosing to love people and welcome them into your life and your home who are broken or needy. How much time is this going to take for the adoption to happen? Sometimes it can take a year. Sometimes it can take four years, five years longer. There's so much waiting. The troubles along the way. Uh, you know, Jackie and I have, are in the initial stages of an adoption journey, and here's one of our kids this morning crying because we kind of liked one of these kids that we started the adoption journey to, to maybe see if they'd be part of our home, but it doesn't look like they particularly are going to happen. So there's troubles. There's confusing attacks. There's redirections. There's there's all kinds of stuff. And then you get the, the foster kid or the adopted kid into your house and you think it's going to be wonderful because you're serving the Lord and you're fulfilling his call and you're fulfilling his word. And then there's troubles like you've never thought there could be troubles. There's anger. There's brokenness. There's orphan behavior. We, we had a family over the other day um, who had adopted from the place we were looking at it, had some kids, and they were displaying these um, orphanage behaviors because one of them just got left in a crib for a year and uh, has all these self-stimming behaviors, which are, are interesting. There's time, there's trouble, and there's a cost. There's tens of thousands of dollars worth of cost just to get started. Are you on an orphanage? adoption journey? Are you on a fostering journey? Are you called to that? Have you been through that? And because it's hard doesn't mean that God didn't call you. And because there's trouble doesn't mean that God isn't with you. And because there's cost doesn't mean that God isn't blessing you or will bless you like you can't even understand. But you're on the journey. And part of the journey, part of getting to the destination is the time and the trouble and the cost. All right? That's Abraham's story. That's God's story. You might be on a redemption journey, okay? So all of a sudden you realize you're in massive bondage to sin. Could be a drug, could be alcohol, could be um, pornography, could be anger and rage, could be um, self-pity, could be any number of things. All of a sudden you realize it's come into your face, I am in bondage to sin, That's when God says, I'm calling you out of this sin. And you start saying, how long is this going to take? Because I want to be free yesterday. You ever been there? How long is this going to take? I want to be free yesterday. And God's saying, well, I want you to leave what you're doing and I'll let you know when you get there. But I am going to bless you on your redemption journey. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes months. It often takes years to actually get through any of the big bondages. And we can get so angry because it takes time. And the taking of time means that the hurt persists. Okay, that's often what happens when things take time. It means that we are still going to be hurting and we don't want to hurt anymore. We want to be done yesterday because we're done with the pain. That's not reality. That's not how it works. When God calls somebody out of a sin, it's going to take time and it is going to mean suffering because God does it right and he wants to be with you and he wants to bless you and he wants to make you like Jesus. And for many of us, the refusal to actually work through suffering is how we got ourselves in major bondage to sin in the first place. Amen? I don't want to hurt. I'm going to turn to this. Whether it's a substance, 
or a relationship or a behavior pattern that's destructive. I don't want to hurt. I'm going to turn to this instead. And God says, come out of this. Come out of what you've known. Come out of your bondage. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to be with you in every trouble, every fall on your face, every setback, every turnaround, every time you rage at me, every time you turn from me, I am going to be with you and bless you. But this is going to take time and there will be trouble and there will be a cost. But I will bless you and I will repay you and I will take your failures and turn them into your faith. I will take your fall downs and turn them into your triumphs. I will take your pain and turn it into your praise. I will take your gore and turn it into your glory. That is the promise of God, but you have to go through the redemption journey. Amen? Sometimes we're called to a maturing journey. That's where we realize we're just really immature. <laughs> We've got knowledge we, we lack. We have skills we lack. We have um, things we need to learn. Uh, you know, you, you get married and you think this is going to be awesome. And then you realize you have no idea how to be a husband or a wife. And then somewhere along the way, you have a kid and you realize you have no idea how to be a parent And there's somebody in the house who's more selfish than you are. And they have to win in the selfish battle because they're just a baby. And all of a sudden, you're on a maturing journey. You need to mature. You need to learn how to get unselfish. You need to learn how to trust the Lord's word. You need to learn how to study and grow intellectually and with skills. You just need to learn how to grow up. And when you're called by God, God just says, it's time for you to grow up, Robert Balfour. And I believe I've heard those words ringing in my ears more than once this week. (laughs) You're on a maturing journey. And the question is always, well, how long is this going to take? Because I feel like I'll never win this battle. How many times I'm going to fail because I'm so ashamed of my failures? What's this going to cost me to actually succeed here? These are the journeying questions, and they're normal questions. And the answer usually is, I'll let you know, and you'll find out. And you won't be sad you paid the price once you are experiencing my blessing. Okay? I said seven. I'm going to cut it down to six. Sometimes you go on a risk journey. Okay? All journeys are risk. That's what makes them a journey. Okay, I'm going to pack up my bags and move for the gospel. I'm going to help a church plant for Jesus. I'm going to give very sacrificially and wonder how I'm going to retire for the Lord. I'm going to move to another country because I feel like God called me to. I'm going to join a church that looks like it's in trouble. Um, You take a risk for Jesus, which doesn't make sense. And your financial advisor is starting to sweat a little bit. And your parents are asking you what you're thinking. You're on a risk journey with Jesus. And these are always the question. How long are you going to be doing this for? Do you have any idea what could go wrong? And how much is this going to cost? Church of less than 300 people decides they're going to build a 2 to $3 million expansion in their parking lot. You're on a risk journey. And you kind of wish you couldn't do it, except that People keep having dreams about the building being built and people stand up in front of the church waving blueprints and, and you know what they're talking about but you don't know what God is doing. And you just go, how long is this going to take? 
what are the troubles going to be and how much is this going to cost? So how do you get through your journeys? Okay, how do you get through your journeys like Abraham? And Abraham had so many troubles and I, and I want to list them. You know, the first thing that happened when he got to the promised land was there was a famine. How many of you have been there? I finally obeyed Jesus and it was the second worst day of my life. That is normal. That's totally normal. That's totally normal. He gets to the promised land, he walks through it, and there's a famine. And when he goes to other countries to avoid famines, typically somebody steals his wife. Amen? Do you remember your Genesis stories? They don't really teach that in Sunday school because the Sunday school teacher doesn't want to explain why someone would steal your wife. But uh, typically when there's a famine, Abraham leaves the promised land to find food and the king where he goes steals his wife. Though That's a trouble. Anybody ever here had a king steal your wife before? Nobody? So, so comparatively, you might be doing okay compared to Abraham. Um, he was childless. He had to fight in a war because somebody kidnapped his nephew. Anybody here ever have to fight in a war before? No? Like Abraham had troubles on his journey. And that's normal. So normal. But we meet with God in the troubles. Um, when I was coming out of my two months of working through my, my, the stuff, going through the heart surgeries that God wanted to take me through for shame and grief and offense and different things. I, I genuinely had these times with the Lord as it was looking like I was coming back to work where I was just, I was just weeping before the Lord because it's like I didn't want it to stop. I didn't want the hard times to stop. I didn't want knowing that pretty much every day I was going to have, a, have like a fall down weeping time to stop because God's presence was so close and his uh, word was so alive and his speech to my soul by the holy spirit was so profoundly accurate and true because i was just so deeply broken so the troubles are so precious when you're on the journey with god but this is how abraham learned to journey with the lord he redefined home This is what scripture teaches us. He redefined home. He went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he lived in tents in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with his sons. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And what this is talking about is home. Everyone has a sense of wanting to be at home. Um, Sometimes the ladies feel that more intensely than the guys do. But you want to have a home. You want to make a home for yourself. You get pregnant and all of a sudden you're nesting and you can't get the walls clean enough. You need to scour the the yellow paint right out until you're through the drywall and actually through the wall because you're just, you want to make a home. And we want home. But what Abraham had to do was he had to redefine home as the place where he's got history. Couldn't be that God called him out of his homeland. Could it be just the place where he had built his house because God wouldn't let him? He had to dwell in tents, which meant always moving. Instead, he redefined home as the place where God was fulfilling his promises to him. Abraham, where's home for you? Home for me is where God is with me, and I'm with God, and God is fulfilling his promises. Home is where God has called me to be, wherever that is. Home is where God is fulfilling his promises and he's being faithful to me. And that's what he does. That's what Abraham did. That's, and we have our own ways we need to do this. If you're on a redemption journey, 
What, what does normal look like? What is home for you emotionally? Home emotionally now becomes being with God in your pain. That's home. Not feeling good. Because when feeling good was your home, it ruined your life. Okay? When you're on a maturing journey, where is home for you? Home is going through the pain of getting corrected again. Of learning that I didn't do it right again. That's home for me because that's where God is fathering me. That's where God is teaching me. That's where God is training me. Feeling like I've got it all together is no longer home because I'm on a maturing journey. I'm on a I have to change for my good and other people's good journey. So home now needs to be the place where I'm in the pain of growing. It's when you're working out. You know, when people want to get buff, like me, when people want to be just like peck decking it and the power, thunder and lightning are the names of your new arms. Um, That's a joke. You can laugh if you want to. Uh, When you're on that journey of weightlifting, home is the gym, right? And that other place where you sleep is just where you sleep and you fuel up and you carb stack or carb load or whatever they call it. Home is the gym. So home is where you need to be in order to finish your journey. When you're on a grieving journey, home is crying. When you're on a grieving journey, home is crying because that is where the Lord will meet you. That's where you'll find out that he loves you and that he's faithful. That's where the healing will come. Um, Avoiding it won't help. Uh, Stuffing it won't help. Ignoring it won't help. Home is, is weeping in God's presence. That's where you will find God's promises to never leave you or forsake you fulfilled. And I could keep going. But what we learn from Abraham is that faith follows God on the journey. And you walk with God by redefining home as the place where he is and where he's being faithful to you and where he's fulfilling God, his promises. Amen. So I'm going to invite the team to come up. And I will pray and I want to invite us to stand. And what I really want to invite us to do, you know, you are free to respond to God however you want. I know that when someone is speaking God's word, the Holy Spirit will highlight things. I don't even know I said it's the most important part of the message for you. So feel free just to respond however God's calling you to. But what I long for for us as Calvary Chapel is to, by faith, embrace the journey that we're on in this season in life. Amen. To just say, God, I, I've been bucking your call. Because I've been thinking about the cost and I've been thinking about the time and I've been thinking about the troubles and I have not been walking with the journey, walking on the journey that you've called me to. And so if you are willing, let's just take a time to by faith get out of the control chair and say yes to our journey with God. And, And so I'll pray. Father, I love you.